0: Hello, and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line. He was calling for Jimmy Butler for MVP before it was cool. It's Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. What's up, Anthony?
1: What's up, David? I feel like we first... You're
0: the originator.
1: We first asked that question, like, two weeks ago. Like, I, we were pretty early to it, maybe too early, no, but... No, you
0: were saying it, um... I feel like you were saying it when he was hurt.
1: Yeah, well, that's a good point, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, we won't – It was game, like a joke,
0: obviously. Like, we didn't think right. it was going to, like, turn into anything. And I still don't really think he's going to win the MVP or necessarily even finish, like, top three in voting. But you you, uh, you were on this before anyone. I, think. I was.
1: And, yeah, I mean, it's – this team, it's obvious, it's obvious at this point. I mean, just what we've seen through the first 40 games – uh he makes a big impact on this team. They're <laughs> a lot better when he's playing,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, we'll obviously get into some uh gym, hashtag jim hashtag v p is that how we pronounce it jim v p
1: jim v p um it, it began on twitter um bam bio used it is it
0: brendan is it Brendan Tobin who's the originator, do we know the original source of the hashtag?
1: I think it's, it's brendan we Tobin
0: look that up somehow, but
1: I think it's Brendan Tobin, but I know um the guys at Miami Heatbeat also yeah they were early on it. it I know um Jeremy Tosh um also played a part in it who who works for Fox Sports Sun um yep. so th- there there are a few guys who have who have kind of lifted it from the ground into Bam bio mentioning it on his insta post- yeah, yeah and also I think Dwayne Wade mentioned it inside the NBA last night as well so did he, use, uh, did he say Jim VP he said MVP. Jim VP wow <laughs> it's beco- it's really becoming a thing
0: wow that's uh yeah that's that's a big deal um, yeah so we were recording this um, Wednesday morning they play uh, at Memphis tonight so if we don't if anything crazy happens in that game we don't talk about it um, that is why but the heat obviously coming off um, another win last night uh, Cleveland how many in a row is this uh five in a row 11 out
1: of 12 and-
0: 11 out of 12. Um, that's pretty good. They're, they clearly figured uh, something out. I actually didn't get to uh, watch last night's game because uh, I was uh, up in West Palm Beach for the day uh, checking out the Marlins, who had a night game. By the time I was able to like kind of lock into the game, it was already uh, a blowout, so I, I didn't check out the garbage time of this one. But looking at the box score, it was another, you know, obviously Bam came back and, seemed like play played pretty well, but, but it was another Jimmy game, right? Like, even in these blowouts, you know, so much of what this, this hashtag JimVP hype has come from, I feel like, um, over the last, I don't know, two weeks or whatever it's been, been obviously part of what we talked about, just how bad they were without him and how good they are with him now, but then also the way he's been delivering them in these, in these close wins. But last night was, you know, they haven't – even, you know, during this good stretch, like – You've written a lot about this. They've played a lot of close games. They haven't kind of delivered that. This is what supposed to do to a team like the Cavs when they're at full strength. And in a way, I almost feel like last night was a step, even though it was uh, a lot of ways, you know, kind of a nothing game that, that probably no one will think about uh, when we get toward the end of the season.
1: Yeah, I, that, that was actually in my five takeaways from last night's game. That mm-hmm. was my first takeaway, just because they had, you know, during this 11-1 and stretch, their biggest win came by 14 points. And I know it's it's not really it's meaningless like to get to the 15 point threshold, but they hadn't had a win of 15 points or more. Yeah, and last night was the first one, and I think that says something. Like you said, because they played and so many close games. What was what was the
0: 14 point win? Was that a game that was cl- like you know sometimes you're you're building to 14 or it's Like everyone, it doesn't really matter. It kind of does because they were up by 20 for that whole game last night, and they just haven't had a game like that, really. Right,
1: that's the point. Yeah, like that 14 point win was against OKC, and if I remember correctly, that was that road win against the Thunder. It was like a dominant fourth quarter. That, yeah, that kind of they, that's where they separated themselves because Jimmy didn't have to play the fourth quarter, but it wasn't like a blowout the entire game. This was the Heat had a double digit lead the entire second half, um, so they held on to it. Yeah, the you know the Cavs I think cut it to like 12 or something or 14 in the fourth quarter. But for the most part, the Heat weren't control the entire way, um, which is, you know, something they they really got to do more often because winning these close games, and I think they're like 10-2 in their last clutch, you know, 12 clutch games or something like that. It's not really sustainable, um, probably. Yeah. <laughs> because usually that tends to even out. So, you know, getting these balls are important. And, you know, I thought it was interesting. It was only their third victory of 15 points or more this season. The team with the East... Worst record, the Detroit Pistons have four. So that just shows you how many of these games have come down to the, you know, how many of these heat games have come down mm-hmm. to the final minutes. Um, so it was a step forward, and Jimmy did obviously lead the way again. He didn't have to, he didn't have to put together a, a a classic fourth quarter performance because this, you know, this was a game that didn't didn't necessitate that. But he was, you know, he controlled the game from start to finish. Yeah,
0: by the time I checked the score, they were up. It was probably midway through the third quarter they were up uh, – or maybe late in the third quarter they were up 20, and and Jimmy had, I think, 22. So it was – you know, he was still doing his thing.
1: Right, and, and just the Cavaliers aren't good. I mean, yeah. they're missing they – But Cavaliers. this is what they're supposed to
0: do, right? Like, this is – um, you know, the, the Heat obviously – you know, the, I think it's almost pointless now to talk about what they were uh, a month and a half ago when, when there was no Jimmy and, you know, they were losing – but even – Jimmy came back, remember that, we were, we were, that was part of what this story was, right? It was those, those first couple of games back with Jimmy were ugly too. Uh, you know, they had a loss to, uh, Charlotte in there, although obviously Charlotte, I think they're above 500 now. Um, they had a loss to the Wizards in there, uh, before the Wizards went on their little run. Like, there were some ugly losses even with, uh, Jimmy back out there. This is what they're supposed to do to, bad teams and it's something that just we haven't seen a lot this year and part of that is because they've gotten hot in this stretch of the calendar where they've played some good teams obviously basically started with that west coast trip I would say um so it was good to see them just like beat up on a on a team like the Cavs and it just like I, I think we're we've basically like everyone agrees now that this Heat team is going to be like a top five seed in the east probably um and maybe even higher but like a win last night's like what you have to do to to stay in that spot and not let like a team like the Knicks or whatever like keep climbing up and and push you for one of those those top seeds in the Eastern Conference.
1: For sure. And on the other spectrum of that, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. What the Heat has done is very impressive. Their turnaround since starting seven and fourteen. Um, I think there are what are they now? Since they were seven and fourteen, they're fifteen. They won fifteen out of nineteen games. uh huh um, those 19 games, they've played four against winning teams, all right? And two of them came against Utah. They're two and two during, in those games. Two right. of them came against Utah, um, and then another one came against the Clippers. They lost that game. That was a tough loss because the Clippers didn't have Paul George or, or uh, Kawhi Leonard. And then the other one was L.A., um, and L.A. did not have Anthony Davis. And yeah. we've seen kind of the Lakers and, you know, the team they are without yeah. Anthony Davis, they're not obviously as good as as, as usual. Um, so, it, they like you said, they've beaten up on bad teams, which is necessary. That's what good teams do. But I'm really interested to see what this team looks like next week when they play Phoenix, if Phoenix is healthy. Um, Phoenix has been really, really good, one of the best teams in the NBA. They played Portland right after that. Like, I don't remember the last time they faced an offense for as good as this defense has been, the Heat defense is right. number, number four in the NBA for the season. I don't think any of us would have predicted that. They're, like, number one in the NBA since the start of February. I don't remember the last time this defense played, like, an offense with two healthy all-stars. It, it's been a long time. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I'm really interested to see what this team is going to look like in Phoenix and how the defense is going to hold up against an offense like that.
0: Yeah, uh, based on some research I've been doing, it seems that uh, hashtag JimVP uh, started sort of in Brendan Tobin's mentions. So let's let's give the Heat fans themselves credit, but I, I think it started kind of in, in that radio show world. Okay. Um, but yeah, like, like you're saying, um, we have well and the other the other thing that kind of stands out to me is that they. I think we've kind of reached a point where we're talking about them in the same conversation as the top four of the East, right? Like they're in that Nets, Sixers, Bucks mix. Uh, we haven't seen them play one of those teams in a while. Like, right. that, that's, kind of, that, that's kind of what I'm looking to see, right, is what, what happens when they get one of Even the Celtics, who I guess are probably in fifth right now. I don't know if the standings up in front of me. But, um, you know, we haven't seen them go up against those teams that, that – ultimately the heat's going to be judged against. And that's um that's what like I'm interested obviously to see them play against teams with All Stars. Like you know, like you said, the Lakers have been great to see what they did against LeBron and A D. But I'm much more interested to see them take their shots at some of these um East teams that you know, when we when they played the Sixers they didn't that was the when Jimmy and Bam were out, right? That, that was, those those are the only two games they played against. I mean the last two times they played them were uh, start of the COVID issues. The Nets they played. Obviously, that was the Bam when he went for forty plus. Like we just we just have not. We have no idea how this team stacks up against uh, some of the East powers. Uh, just in an actual like game. Like we can obviously theorize. We, we think the Heat can basically hold their own, but we we have no idea what it's actually going to look like when they go up against them.
1: Yeah, and, and it's going to be a while. I think the next time they face one of those teams is like in a month. They face Brooklyn on April 18th, and I think that's the first time they face one of those teams. You know, between now and then. So, yeah, it's the schedule is obviously strange this season. They're not not playing teams four times. I think it's at most three times each. You know, for the Eastern Conference teams. So, uh, they're not playing teams as often. But you know, even coming up at Memphis tonight, I know this podcast will be recorded after that, and maybe we'll seem stupid. But Memphis is another team with a losing record, and they play Indiana. Um, you know, which have a lose, has a losing record as well, back to back. So it's three more, three consecutive games against uh, losing teams, and I think they've already played six straight against teams with losing records. So, um, yeah, or se- actually seven straight. So it's gonna be, and it's gonna end up being ten straight against teams with losing records. Wow. And they're right now they're six and one in that stretch. So they're taking advantage of it, but you know. For us to say this is one of the best teams in the NBA, I don't know, you know, I don't know how many people are saying that, but it, we have to, we have to wait to see what this team looks like yeah. against elite competition because they haven't faced that in a while. That Utah win was very impressive. The one at home, mm-hmm. Utah was pretty much healthy. They had Mike Conley as well, um, and the Heat won that game. They, they, you know, it was close, but the Heat, you know, came away came away with the win at the, in the end. So, um, yeah, I, I want to see more of that before, you know, we. We uh, jump to conclusions on this team.
0: Yeah, Charlotte actually fifth in the East after their web last night. Good for them. They're Another pretty ball. good. Charlotte. Yeah, Lamelo's balling. Terry Rogier is having a great year. Uh, Gordon Hayward. They'll be the ex-Celtics and they're beating the Celtics, which is pretty funny. Or yeah. ahead of the Celtics at least. But yeah, I, I think. Um, well, let's just theorize right now because right now the Heat are three and a half back of the Bucks. Five of the Nets, six of the Sixers. How do you think they stack up against those teams? Just like in theory, you know, seeing what we've seen from this team the last couple weeks. Uh, now Bam, obviously, we we saw you you saw I didn't see last night, but you saw what Bam looked like reintegrated integrated uh, with this like Jimmy Heater. Uh, what? How, how do you think they stack up against these teams? That ultimately, their season is going to be judged on. Just in like a strictly a matchup, state. yeah. Like, I'm not saying like they're gonna finish ahead of these teams or whatever, but just can, can they hang their own with these these teams that are the clear top three in the East right now?
1: So I think the one thing Heat fans and you know all of us who follow this team are, are have in the back of their heads is what happened in the playoffs last year, right? Yeah. The, we've seen this. Yeah, Heat team, well, it's I, not I, a, I
0: can't imagine there's a single Heat fan who's like worried about a matchup with Milwaukee, <laughs> right? And and, you and know, rightly so. Like exactly. the Bucks might win, but it's not going it's not like the Heat are gonna get killed in that series.
1: Yeah, and the Bucks I think are better, even though their record isn't better. I know they finished with like a really, really good regular season record last season. Yeah. But just the fact they have Drew Holiday, like I think they're a better team and more dynamic. Yeah, they got a lot of
0: shooters too, like Bryn Forbes and like they've just got all those like they kind of Bobby only Portis. Have, Bobby Portis is like shooting fifty percent from three. Like if those guys can keep it up, they have better shooting around Giannis than they did last year.
1: Yeah, I I think come playoff time their roster is better, you know, better suited for the playoffs. But uh, yeah, I think after what happened in the playoffs, he made it seem pretty easy against Milwaukee. I Mm -hmm. mean, how do you, how do you have, uh, yeah, how how could you be scared of a matchup against the Bucks at this point, right? Um, Not saying it's gonna be easy again, but they just beat them in five a few months ago. Um, Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn obviously has three of the best scores. Brooklyn the remains the
0: great unknown
1: because we just haven't
0: seen the two teams at full strength go at it.
1: Yeah, and I do think the Heat match up pretty well. Um, they have a lot of perimeter defenders they can throw at those guys, and then Brooklyn really has nobody for Bam, and we have saw that in those games. Like, Bam yeah. went off. Um, so I do think the Heat match up fairly well. It's just a matter of You don't of think Blake
0: Griffin can handle, uh, can handle Bam?
1: I do not think so at this point, no. <laughs> but, um <laughs> But – but, I, you know, it's just a matter of can you keep up uh-huh. with them scoring-wise because Brooklyn's yeah. going to put up a ton of points. And the Heat's offense, while they've won a lot recently, it still hasn't been a strength. I think they're, like, still have the fifth worst offense in the NBA or fifth least efficient offense in the NBA. So that's the question mark there. And Philly, I, I really think Philly is – I'm a believer in Philly. They're good. Uh, yeah, they're just, really, I mean,
0: Embiid's hurt, obviously, as we talk right now. So we'll see. They need him, obviously, but – yeah, when he's out there, they're
1: good. When, he, when he's out there and the shooters they put around them,
0: you can then, put Simmons on uh, on GME probably.
1: Yeah, and Ben kind of knows who he is at this point. Like mm-hmm. he's like an, one of the best defenders in, in the NBA, and you know on a, on offense he's getting to his strengths, and he doesn't have to shoot threes because there's other guys who are yeah. shooting threes in that team. So uh, Philadelphia is a really, really, I think they're a really good team. Um, but I, I think that he can match up with any of those um, if they're healthy. And I really think they need to get their offense on track. Like, the wins are nice, but in the playoffs, they can't be shooting. They can't be...
0: Right. Like, I mean, that's the thing. We talk about get 100%. their offense on track. And this is what we've been talking about pretty much all year is, like, this team would be so much different if Duncan was shooting 44% from three or whatever he shot last year. And if Tyler Hero was shooting, like, 38% or whatever, you know, we know he can shoot. Like, it, it's... Feels almost like foolish to talk about like getting the offense on track because if the shooting numbers just tick up like a couple of percentage points, then it's a huge difference. But I mean, obviously, there are things you can do to, to make that happen or and, and stuff like that. But yeah, like that's so much of the equation for this team. It's or it was so much of the equation for the team last year, but that they had all those shooters and they're just not shooting at that same level this year.
1: For sure. That's pretty much it. Like, it's I'm trying to pinpoint. I've been trying to pinpoint like what the difference is in the offense, and it's yeah, it's it comes yeah, down to Jimmy's out there, they to
0: get to the free throw line. Yeah, um, yeah Duncan shooting thirty nine point two percent as we talk right now. What was he last year? Like forty three plus,
1: like
0: forty four, like yeah, forty four, yeah. Um, Tyler is thirty three point three, which is like not good. Like he, I don't, he. It's not like he shot the lights out last year, but uh, he was much better was than thirty three point three. Like yeah. 37-38, I think, right?
1: Yeah. And what is Goran? I'm looking at Goran now. I think he's he's at 35, but I think he shot he shot, he shot like 37 last year. So, and he yeah, shot he just,
0: the lights out in the playoffs. Really. Right. He was like probably 40-plus until the finals from three.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it's – I mean, two. it comes down to shooting. It's just, it's just so interesting. Like, if I would have told you before the season, David, that this team would have the sixth worst offense and the fourth best defense. I know.
0: Never, never seen it come. Is the yeah. exact opposite of last year, basically. Now, obviously, yeah. the team was better defensively once they got uh, to the playoffs and, and fully integrated Andre Iguodala. But, you know, they they lost Dre counter and basically didn't pre- replace him with anything, and the defense is better.
1: Yeah, no, it's... That the- kind of
0: was their... Most important defender, ultimately, or second right. most important. Third, yeah. I guess. Third they, most were,
1: most they weren't they were a bad defensive team last year. They were just like a mediocre defensive team, but their yeah. offense was elite. And this yeah. year, they their defense is elite, and their offense is not even mediocre right now. Yeah. It's
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: it's not good. Although it's um, a big
0: difference when Jimmy's out there, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a yeah. big like, difference. But,
0: right. <laughs> like if you but, got rid of those 12 games you didn't play, they would not be fourth worst in the league or whatever you said they are.
1: Yes, um, but even... They wouldn't
0: th- be top five like they were last year, but they'd be much closer to mediocre.
1: So for perspective, since in this 14-9 uh, and 9 stretch, or 15-4 and, and stretch, um, I think they have like the 10th, like they're ranked 20th in offensive rating.
0: Yeah. So even so in the wins, I mean,
1: yeah. still better, better than what they've been for the season, but still not uh, above yeah. average.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, and but at the same time, like I feel like I don't know, like I feel like you can get there with this team just because of those shooters. And, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah.
0: Like I don't feel like you know we're 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 gonna talk trade deadline in a little bit. Um, actually, you know what? You want to take a break here, and then we'll uh, we'll um, come back and talk about the trade deadline and kind of the moves to make to get this team to the next level.
1: Yeah, let's do it. All right, All
0: right we're back. Um. So, yeah, as I was saying right before we went to break, like, we're, with the trade deadline, it is a week away, as you guys are listening to this, uh, Thursday, March, uh, what is it, 25th, I guess, yeah, 25th. Um, when we're thinking about the moves the Heat are going to make, we've talked so much about power forwards, um, you know, Rudy Gay, Trevor Ariza's name is out there now, LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, literally every player for a team that's like sub-500 <laughs> in the league. Um, as you're saying, the defense is really good. Like, so in theory, the thing you would be looking for, because it's still the one thing they just have not replaced from last year, is that Dre Crowder spot, basically. That's why we've talked about Rudy Gay. That's why we've talked about, you know, kind of why we're talking about Trevor Ariza, because those guys kind of fill that role of versatile uh, forward defender, basically. can guard threes and fours and maybe some centers from time to time can kind of anchor the defense uh, in in some ways while well. Bam uh, does his little bit of roaming that he's kind of best suited to do. But as you mentioned, like the offense kind of right now is the bigger issue. So when when you're looking at what this, this team needs to do going into the, the trade deadline, uh, I don't know, where do you go? It still seems like that four spot is basically, you know, that's just where they have an opening basically. You know, you've got still all your young guards who I, I think you just got to have faith that like, you know, if Duncan Robinson and, and Tyler Hero don't have good postseasons, you're not going to win the finals no matter what move you make here. I mean, I guess unless you get like Bradley Beal or whatever, but that's not going to happen. Um, that four spot is still where you can upgrade where Kelly Olin explained pretty well, but you need basically that one more guy because again, you're, you're missing Drake, Jay, J Crowder and Mo Harkless hasn't given you anything. Um, so when, when you're looking at that, spot. I think we both agree. Like that's where the the move is going to come in the next week. What are you thinking that he should be emphasizing when they're looking for a guy in that spot? Is it defense still, or you know, we've talked about Rudy Gay, who's a really good offensive player. Do you lean toward, more toward a guy like that?
1: I think you try to find. I mean, Rudy Gay would be. You know how I feel about Rudy Gay. I think yeah. I made that clear in this podcast. I think but he'd, he'd like, be a great fit. While he's not the best defender. He's good enough to, to yeah. switch and to be versatile and to play in Miami's scheme. And then offensively, he's really good and it'll help the offense with his shooting. And even off the dribble, he could do some stuff. So, but mm-hmm. I, I think in general, I think you're still looking for that three and D type forward. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy who could, you know, like a little bit like an Andre Iguodala type, like, yeah, m- ideally a better shooter than Andre, but um, basically
0: the same move they made last year, right? Because. Right. You know, they, they have Andre Iguodala, obviously, still from last year, but as I keep saying, like, they lost Jay Crowder and didn't replace him with anything, pretty much, because it's just, the
1: there's been a zero. Right, and Mark, Mark Harkless really hasn't been able to do much. Um, But, so, it's just interesting, the timing of all this, because Kelly is playing really well, like you mentioned. Yeah. And he has been, like, uh, they're not going to take him out of the starting lineup right now, at least, you know, unless he hits another slump, which... Could happen. I mean, he's he's a, he's a streaky player. He's been a streaky player during his heat career, but um, he's playing really well. So, like right now, it doesn't seem like they need anything. But I still think they need a three and D forward slash big man, um, a guy that another guy they could count on in the rotation to give them depth in the front court. Because as we've seen recently, like Precious Achua,
0: yeah,
1: he's been in and out of the rotation for the past week. And when he does play, he doesn't play that many minutes. Chris Silva was ahead of him in the rotation for a few games recently. Um, so, and then, you know, I, I, on Tuesday night against against Cleveland, KZ uh, got that, you know, was in that front court rotation spot off the bench. Um, so, you know, Eric Spolscher trying to cycle through guys to see what fits with the current personnel. I mean, obviously Kelly and Bam and Andre um, are the three fixtures right now. Um, and KZ is interesting. I, I do think KZ is an interesting fit. He kind of gives his team what they, you know, what they need um, when he's right. Like defensively, again, he could switch. He's, he's guarding. He can guard pretty much every player on the court, um, and it looks like he takes pride in that, which is something you know the Heat have been looking for since Jay Crowder left. And offensively, he can he can hit a three when he's open. So um, I think I do think KZ is intriguing. But I, you know, if this team can add a another forward who could stretch the court stretch the floor and also defend multiple positions and is versatile and can switch and kind of play that role that Andre plays and that Jay Crowder played last year I, I think you do it
0: yeah when you think about last year's team obviously a lot, I think a lot of what well I don't know if it's ultimately what people think about because of the way that this season ended where it was like the Jimmy show but so much of what made that team good throughout the year was depth and then when you when you think about depth it's it's not necessarily that you're going to use 12 guys on every night. It's that, you know, when Kendrick Nunn becomes unplayable, like you have someone else you can throw in, and and that's like like when you mentioned KZ, like he's a factor and he's going to be a factor. But I say that I don't necessarily mean that that means he's going to play in the Eastern Conference Finals. It means like he is an option, um, but you need to have someone in case you know he's a rookie who's never played in the postseason before. Pretty much like you need an option, another guy. In case he becomes unplayable, um, it's kind of the same. You know, again with Mo Harkless, like I'm not totally ruling him out as a guy who's going to find like a little stretch here where he, he plays meaningful minutes. But yeah, you just you just need that's the spot where you need bodies. Um, you know, you're going to roll with at this point. You, you're going to roll with your guards. Like you're you're deep enough in backcourt with Hero and Duncan and um, Goron, and I I, I think Kendrick Nunn obviously has solidified himself as an important piece of this rotation. And then Avery Bradley is that good depth piece that you can kind of deploy, and, and maybe we'll see more once he gets healthy, and and he could be even more than just a, a depth piece. Uh, but, yeah, that forward spot still to me, and I, I agree with you. It's not necessarily, and I think a lot of Heat fans think, like, when you're talking about getting a power forward at the trade deadline, it is just a Kelly Olynyk replacement. It's going to be a guy who's going to come in and replace Kelly Olenek in the starting lineup. And Kelly's going to become a shooter off the bench, um, but the Kelly at the four next to Bam works. Like maybe you would like, you know, you could always upgrade that spot. Like Kelly Linux, not; it's not like he's like a, a star or anything. As you mentioned, he's streaky, but like that's a good lineup right now: Kelly, Bam, front court, um, and it's finding that that extra versatile piece. You know, that's why I think you, you hear about like guys who are basically small ball fours because it gives you that, you know, Kelly's not a great defender and not super mobile. You'd love to get that extra mobile guy and have Bam be an anchor. Um, but I think it's important to remember that, like, Kelly's going to be a factor with this team, as however far they go. Uh, so I think getting a guy, like, that's why that's why I keep coming back to the Gay, and, you know, so I think that's going to happen, but that that's the kind of guy that, is a complimentary piece. You're not just looking to straight up upgrade Kelly. You're looking for someone who fits with what they have there. All right, Anthony, we've got some breaking news. Uh, The Heat has made a trade. Uh, uh, Trevor Ariza heading to Miami. Uh, We're going to splice this into the episode uh, that we recorded this morning to break down a trade that we actually talked about uh, this morning pretty extensively. Basically, uh, we're just going to plop this right in over all the stuff we talked about, about this trade potentially happening now that it has actually happened. Um, obviously not a surprise, as as it was something we talked quite a bit about. Uh, where do you uh, – ha- ha- just give me your uh, quick reaction to the deal.
1: Um, I, you know, I, I like it. I, I think – it helps solve, um, you know, the issue we've been talking about all season of how do they make up for the loss of Jay Crowder. Not saying that Trevor Ariza is going to beat Jay Crowder. Right. But, you know, they they've need, they need send Mo Harkless to kind of fill part of that role, um, and he hasn't really um, panned out yet. He's played 11 games, been injured out of the rotation. Um, Trevor Ariza, you know, gives him a guy who has experience. He's an accomplished veteran. Uh, he's a good three-point shooter, can defend, um, and gives them depth at the wings position where, you know, if Andre's on the floor, they have, can have Trevor on the floor and still play a small ball lineup with Trevor at the four. So um, it just gives them another option to throw out there on really good perimeter scores and a guy who can also space the floor. So I really think he's going to be a lot like Andre and play that role. And now you have two of those guys.
0: When we. Recorded this morning, I think we, neither of us were super high on Trevor Ariza. I think I kept yelling about uh, how he hasn't played a game in more than a year, and we just have no idea. As this trade was kind of unfolding throughout the day today, and you were writing about him and yeah. researching him, did your opinion change at all, like kind of the more you dove into uh, Trevor Ariza as a prospect?
1: Yeah, I I, Not I no did. Prospect, I guess but I, as
0: a prospective fit with this team,
1: right? I, I did. I, I was looking at the, his numbers from last season, and I didn't realize how productive he was. Shot forty percent on threes in the twenty-one games with Portland. Um, Portland was a you know considerably better defensively when he was on the court, um, and. Yeah, and I, it's it's kind of, you know, you don't know what you're going to get when a guy's been out for a year. His last game was March 10, so it's been over a year since he last played an NBA game, but sometimes it's not a bad thing for a guy who's 35, you know? So he's had a year off, um, you know, it looks like he's stayed in shape. Um, he's an expiring contracts, so you don't have to worry about future money. In um, the deal, you also, you know, Myers Leonard had turned into, you know, somewhat of an issue just with everything that's been happening the past few weeks, um, so... You give up a second-round pick, basically, um, for him. And I think it it does help address a need for this team. Now, we'll see how good he is. We'll see um, kind of, you know, how fast he can acclimate himself to the Heat's way and to NBA basketball against. He's been out of the league for a little bit. Um, But I I, I like the move. I think they're a better team. They're obviously a deeper team. Um, And I was thinking about it, too. One thing that kind of turned me on this trade was, I could see this team playing lineups of Bam, Andre, Trevor Ariza, Jimmy, and Goran in the playoffs. And that is, I mean, you need all those defenders when you're facing a team like Brooklyn. So I, I really think this move is for down the road Um, while it will help them in the regular season. But if you get into a a series of Brooklyn, you know, Trevor Ariza gives you that extra defender they needed um, to really go up against an offense like that with that many weapons.
0: Yeah, I think it's um – um. It's kind of funny, just the parallels with this trade to the uh, Iguodala trade from last year, like right down to obviously like the position and like the skill set are very similar. And then also the the fact that you know Iguodala hadn't played all year when the Heat traded from last year. Trevor Ariza hasn't played, like I said, in more than a year because um, he opted out of the bubble when he was at the Blazers. He got traded three times uh, in a five day stretch in um, November, like right around the draft. Um, so he's it's been a weird last 12 months for him just as for everyone but, but particularly for him um the thing that stands out to me like as the more i've thought about it, is I, I'm still I don't know I know the, like he has a reputation as a great defender and um, you know maybe he comes in and he is a great defender uh, but he is 35 he has not played in a year again um, and you know i just uh, i'm the journey for me is out on what he's going to look like as a defender. I'm sure he'll be, like, better than Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. But, uh, you know, I'm not banking on him to be, like, an Andre Iguodala level defender even. Uh, but the shooting is, like, that's a big deal. Like, he's a good shooter. Shooting, you don't lose your shooting touch usually uh, when you're a guy with his track record. Like, you know, it's, we, we talked about it in the first half of this episode that we recorded earlier today. Just that so much of the difference for this team has been that the offense, the shooting has not been there, and and Trevor Ariza kind of immediately becomes, what, like your uh, fifth, fourth, fifth best shooter on the team, probably? You know, he's he's at least like an above-average shooter on on this team that right now has a lot of guys who are not shooting it uh, to their standard.
1: Yeah, and one note, he is younger than LeBron James, which is kind of insane, but... He is uh thirty five, LeBron is thirty six, so you know, maybe he could uh maybe he can turn back the clock like LeBron like LeBron constantly does. But um yeah, I think I think He's shooting
0: saying he hasn't
1: peaked yet. Say that again so you broke up. You're saying
0: he hasn't peaked yet? He's got another level to go?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's had a year off to kind of refresh his <laughs> body. I mean, maybe we see the best basketball of Trevor Reese's career. Um, the Heat had some luck with Jay last year where he came in and shot three better than he ever has. So, you know, maybe Trevor comes in here and he shoots 44% on threes like Jake Crowder did in the playoffs for the first few rounds. Um, I don't know. He shot 40% on threes with Portland last year. So he is a good, he is an above-average shooter. He's going to Shoot, help in
0: that like, regard. He has a reputation, like I said, as a defender, but he is a good. I remember with those Wizards teams, he was a yeah. really good three point shooter.
1: Good and good in the corners. They're
0: going to They're going to get him open looks.
1: Right, and he, he's been really good in the corners. Um, and the Heat really, the Heat's offense doesn't really produce many corner threes. Or at the wings, yeah. um, but I'm guessing Eric Spoelstra will find a way to give him corner three to get uh, to get Trevor a corner threes. He's also almost close to a 90% free throw shooter, which is a bonus as well. Um, so it's not, you know, Andre Iguodala is not the best free throw shooter. So late in game teams will foul him intentionally. They're not going to do that with Trevor Ariza. So, um, I, I have, you know, earlier in the day, I was like, ah, I don't really get it. Like he's just another Andre Godala. He's not going to play much. But I do think, you know, as we saw in the playoffs last season, Eric Spolstra, when it, when it comes down to it, he likes to play small. That's the style he wants to play. We've seen it. Um, I know Kelly Linux playing really well right now. I'm not saying Kelly Olynyk is not going to be a starter in the playoffs, but I'll just say I would not be shocked if um, we see a smaller lineup by the time the playoffs come around. So um, this gives the Heat more depth there. And it basically, you know, last year they had two guys in Andre and, and Jay that they felt confident enough to play in crunch time at that spot. And now, you know, the hope is that, that Trevor Reza will give them that second small ball option um, we, we've seen, you know, over the years and especially during the playoff run last year when they switched to more of a small ball look, um, Eric Spoelstra likes to play smaller lineups, you know, when mm-hmm. it comes down to it. Um, and I know Kelly Linux playing really well right now, and I'm not saying that Kelly's not going to be the starter in the playoffs, but I will say that I would not be surprised if we see a smaller group start games in the playoffs just because um, I think, you know, that's the style uh, Spo likes to play, especially around uh, Bam and Jimmy. Um, and I think that's what unlocks the Heat's offensive potential as well, um, and defensive potential, their upside when when they could switch and they have a bunch of shooters out there. So it makes sense. So now, you know, last year they had Jay and Andre as as kind of the two small ball four options that they, they could rely on late in games uh, and in the postseason. And and I think the Heat's hope is that Trevor will be uh, that second option at that spot alongside, you know, Andre Iguodala uh, this season.
0: Yeah. And to me, again, I, I don't want to just keep harping on it, but I, I think that shooting's a big deal, right? Like, that is, when they went and got Jay Crowder and and Iguodala last year, like, we knew Iguodala was coming in, and he was going to probably be a, a net negative on on offense, and that bore out, Um, is still kind of bearing out, and the Jay Crowder thing was obviously a pleasant surprise, but like... Trevor Ariza has multiple skills he brings to the table, and that's why I think I can kind of talk myself into it. Because if, if the, even if the defense isn't there, he's going to have, like, some value to this team. And I, I think he has a, a really good reputation, too, as, like, a locker room character guy, um, which is, you know, worth noting. Like, the Heat, obviously, have put a – you know, it's the same thing when they got out at Iguodala last year. They kind of put a pri- priority on that. So – I have talked myself into it a little bit more as we've kind of gone through the day. Um, do you think this is it? Do you think, is there anything else that he can still do in the next um, week here?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some stuff they could still do, but I, I do think this was a big part of it, just because yeah. they had really three salaries that they could use to get a player at this at this level, yeah. you know, and it was Myers, Andre, and um, and Kelly. They were all making around like the ten to fifteen million dollar range, yep. you know, not counting Gore on Bam and Jimmy because I don't think they're going to trade those three. Um, and Andre and Kelly, you're, you're really not, probably not going to trade them unless it's for a superstar, just because they yeah, are important like parts the It's like a clear rotation. upgrade
0: on this. Yeah, two guys. yeah,
1: right. My, Myers was the guy they had that they could use, you know, as an expiring deal that they could upgrade the roster and add depth. And they used, you know, they used that Myers Leonard trade to get a reason. So that that was a big part of kind of what they had. To trade before the deadline, um, they still have the trade exception that they have to use um, by Monday. You know, I don't know if they will use it. At this point, it's like you, you kind of hope. You know, you, the Heat hope they solidified that four spot with Trevor Ariza, so they don't really need to use it for, you know, for that reason anymore. So, um, you know, anything could happen. I, I think the most likely, I think the most likely thing um, now is they wait for the buyout market. Like, who doesn't get traded yeah. by the deadline? Does LaMarcus Aldridge become available, you know, as a buyout candidate, you know, after the deadline? Does he want to come to Miami? You know, maybe you sign him there and you, and you use um, an exception to get him. But other than that, you know, I I, I I wouldn't be shocked if this is it before the deadline. But at the same time, it's the heat and you just never know.
0: Yeah, I think it makes sense to keep taking swings at fours because, you know, Ariza has kind of uh, typically been more of a, a three Obviously he can play four, but um, and just the the unknown with him, I think yeah, it just makes sense. Like you said, like Lamarcus Aldridge or someone like that, uh, I think it makes sense to keep taking swings there and and see what you can basically uh, round out this roster with. Because again, depth is um, you know, that's a Eric Spolstra obviously really values that and just the variety of guys he can kind of deploy in different matchups when we get to postseason time. Um, I think this kills our, our Rudy Gay dream.
1: Yeah, it also kills my uh, Casey Okpala turning into a factor dream, probably. Like, I, I, I've really been impressed by Casey Okpala the past... I'm not ruling it out. ...couple weeks, and now with Trevor Reeves, I just wonder if he's going to get squeezed out of rotation again, which... Can
0: you tell, like, think, like, I'm thinking of, like, so from last year, they basically lost Crowder, Derek Jones, right? Like, those are the two rotation yeah. guys from the playoffs. And you've replaced now, let's say Jake Crowder. You've replaced with Trevor Ariza. Um, no, no, there's just like Kuzey still kind of feels to me like he feels that kind of Derek Jones energy thing a little bit. Or I mean, I guess Precious also could be potentially slide back in there. You um, so,
1: Avery Bradley too, who's been out, but yeah, yeah. Avery Bradley is
0: kind of a, just a question mark to me because we've seen yeah. so little of him.
1: Right. So one other fun fact, I I think I knew this, but I remembered when I was writing about Trevor Ariza. He was born in Miami. wasn't? He oh, yeah. wasn't raised here. He, he yeah, lived he's in L.A. LA. LA. Yeah, yeah, but he was born in Miami. So there is some type of connection to the 305, even before he was traded to the Heat.
0: There we go. You got a question to ask him when
1: uh, when you guys get to talk to him tomorrow? Yeah, He probably doesn't even remember. I'm guessing he spent, like, a <laughs> few days here, it seems like. Uh-huh. Um, but also, you know, hot tip to Tim Reynolds, you know, while we're still – according the podcast I just saw on Twitter, he, uh, he tweeted that the Heat now have three of the 11 oldest players in the NBA. Wow. Donis, Andre, and now Trevor Ariza, which is kind of crazy.
0: Yeah. It's funny. You think of these this Heat team as like all these young guys, and then they've got this, this old, old, old squad also. they got to bring D. Wade back out of retirement and just add another one.
1: They might as well. Is he – I guess he's like he's like Andre. He's a little older than Andre, right? I think D Wade was like a year before Andre, so he'd be he'd be second. I think he'd be the, D Wade would be the second oldest on the roster behind Udonis.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I'm not sure if D Wade is in uh, playing shape these days though.
1: I don't know. I see him on uh, Instagram.
0: Yeah, he's definitely working out, but um, I think he's also drinking a lot of wine.
1: Yeah, he's enjoying retirement for sure.
0: All right, uh, let's wrap up. we got a couple of uh, mailbag questions that uh, Anthony got via Twitter. Uh, we're going to try to bring this back, I guess, and do it a little bit more frequently. Um, so you can tweet your questions at Anthony Chang. He's at Anthony underscore Chang on Twitter. Uh, first one from at Stefano Hepburn. What's up with Precious Achua? We talked a little bit about him earlier, but what's up?
1: You know, Eric Sposher is not one to criticize players to the media, so he's never yep. going to do that. Um, but if you read kind of in between the lines of his comments recently, I, I really think they, they want Precious to be a, you know, he, he said, it. I think Precious was benched in the middle of a game like a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago, and then he played the following game, had a really, really good performance, and Eric Spolcher was like, that's what we want. We don't need him to pace yeah. himself. He's playing 12 minutes. He's playing in three- or four-minute bursts. Like, we need him to be empty the tank and, you know, go 100% for every second he's out there. And I, I think, I don't know if Precious has been doing that consistently. You know, I think that's part of the reason mm-hmm. that he hasn't played consistently recently. Like, you've seen Silva um, go out there ahead of him. And, and yeah. Eric Bush has been very complimentary of Chris Silva and his effort and just how he goes, you know, 110% every time, you know, he's out there and he's making multiple efforts and extra efforts and getting out to – different shooters on defense and going for every rebound. So I think they're trying to show Precious, look, in this role that you're in, there's no need to pace yourself. you got to go for everything while you're out there. You can't worry about foul trouble. You can't worry about being tired. Like you're playing 12 minutes a game. So I think it's just one of those lessons, one of those rookie lessons that Precious is learning right now. Um, I I do think there is a spot for him on this team. Um, But if they get a LaMarcus, if they get a P.J. Tucker – If they get uh, a Trevor Ariza, you know, maybe there isn't. There aren't those minutes for him Mm -hmm. down the the stretch here just because, you know, with Kelly playing the way he's playing and Andrew Udala, if he's healthy, and if they get Trevor Ariza or P.J. Tucker, they're probably going to play, you know, on that off the bench as well. Um, And then KZ, with KZ coming on, like, it might be tough for Precious to find minutes, uh, at least for the next few weeks or, or months.
0: Yeah, I think of Precious in that same way. I was talking earlier about depth. He's just like another option, right? He's not. There's going to be nights when he doesn't play. Come, like, playoff time, there are going to be tons, times they maybe need him if Bam's in foul trouble and he can kind of replicate some of uh, what Bam does defensively. I, I still like Precious. I think the Heat clearly is still high on him, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's back in the rotation at some point in the next couple of weeks here. Uh, last question before we finish up. Uh, from at Heat Hoop Bubble. Uh, he's actually a two parter. Um, one, are the Heat intent on keeping Casey Okpala? And two, did the Heat really dangle Dragic, Olinik, and none for Lowry? Lowry's another one of those like Oladipo ish guys that um, his name's been mentioned as kind of like a potential next star um, that I think a lot of teams would like. But again, that's going to come down to whether Toronto wants to part with or whether he wants to leave Toronto. Um, so yeah, two parter. What, what do you got?
1: Uh, Michael Scotto from Hoops I've reported that um, that you know that rumor with Toronto yeah. and the Heat. Um, it, the wording of the report made it seem like it didn't make it seem like the Heat offered those guys. Right. It just made it Disgusting. seem like those names came up in conversations. Yeah. Like maybe even Toronto just asked them, about, "Oh, how about these three guys?" You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think you would agree with this, David. I'd be really shocked if the Heat traded Goran Dragic. I, I just, I'd yeah, really i I'd be really surprised. Yeah. If they traded Goron after, you know, I, I know you can't get caught up in, you know, what a guy means to a team and that can't get in the way of business deals. But I just unless it's for like a superstar and they for some reason wanted Goran, um, and to get a deal done, then maybe. But I, I just I don't think I don't think the heater trading Goron. I, I think he's going to end his career here. Um, whether it's next year, in two years, three years—I don't know when—but I just don't think he's going to leave. Um, yeah. So uh, that's kind of my take on that deal. You know, Kyle Lowry. I know Jimmy and Kyle are close. Kyle is a good player, obviously um, one of the best point guards in the league. Um, but I just don't know if the Heat have enough to get a deal like that done. But you know, we'll see. I know that the Heat have been linked to Kyle now for a few months. Uh, uh-huh. But I just—I I just would be shocked if if Goran is in a in a deal like that. Um, what was the other question?
0: KZ, are they going to keep him definitely? I don't like think he's worth bringing up in trade talks, but they definitely like, like him, right? Like he's got a role right now, but if they can upgrade and it takes KZ to upgrade, it doesn't seem like they're like married to him.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I think I think they like him. I think he's intriguing. I think he brings something this team needs right now, but if they could find a way to upgrade and he needs to be part of a deal, I don't see him getting in the way of like a deal for a Bradley Beal. Yeah,
0: yeah, like a big deal. A, yeah, 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 exactly. I'm not going to give him up for LaMarcus Aldridge or something, but for right. a, a bigger name come this offseason more likely than. Yeah. yeah. So I would not buy, be buying a KZO Apollo jersey quite yet.
1: He's an he's an asset for this team. The Heat does not like to give up players that develops, and they're obviously developing KZ. Yeah, um, and he's gotten better in the year and a half or two years he's been with the Heat. I mean, we've seen that over the past week. It's probably been his most consistent yeah. consistent stretch of his NBA career. Um, but again, like to get a star to get that other star, like you're gonna have to give up some of your young assets, and he's one of those.
0: And right, I, I lied. I got one more from at D B Wilson too. Are you gonna <laughs> do the Tyler Hero uh, Bowl? From Chipotle.
1: You know, it's funny. I I wrote about that in my notebook yesterday, and I got I was craving Chipotle. After I know, that. I know. <laughs> I know
0: <this> ad <laughs> up on my screen uh, on my Twitter, like I got the promoted tweet, and now I, I think I'm gonna go get Chipotle for lunch.
1: Yeah, like I, I actually ordered Chipotle for lunch as well. Yeah, I got <laughs> Chipotle for lunch. I didn't get the here a bowl, um, but I did get. My regular chicken burrito, um, but maybe one of these days I will get the bowl. The, the bowl, bowl is
0: like it's pretty close to what I get. I, I'm a half chicken, half steak. I'm not a huge sour cream guy. Um, and I, I like pinto. Bean. I like both. You know I, I kind of mix up the beans. Um, so it, it's it's up. You know, it look it looks pretty appealing. The uh, the Tyler Hero bowl. It's not, break, I, healthy.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not. A, I'm a pretty picky eater, and I think I would be able to eat that. Um, I, it's, it's like it's pretty much everything I like. Um, except okay. the beans. I'm not a big I'm not big on the beans, but I might try it. We'll see. I might try it, and we can maybe review it on the podcast.
0: Yeah, maybe next week. It'll be our homework assignment.
1: Yeah, I'm okay I'm okay with that type of homework.
0: Yeah. All right, let's finish up there. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Um, you can uh, tweet at him your questions, and we'll try to do some of those mailbag questions. Um, we will be back next week. I guess, like, we're going to record pre-trade deadline, but as you mentioned, um, that um, the trade exception means that, that the moves actually might happen before the deadline this year for the Heat. Um, but anyway, follow Anthony. He'll, he'll keep you covered in this next week as we head toward the deadline. You can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. Um, I'm not at the Heat as often as I am because the Panthers are really good. Uh, and now I, I'm writing about them, and they're in first place in the NHL at the midway point. So uh, they're pretty interesting. So if you want to kind of get caught up on them and check out what's happening in in beautiful sunrise florida uh, you can check me out on twitter um you got anything else before we finish up
1: no i mean it's just going to be like you said it's going to be an interesting week for the heat yeah. to see what they do they, they're not as a few weeks ago or a few months ago we were saying they need to make a move there's a move here yeah, I remember not what as I was talking about. right now not as pressing right now but there is i think a small move to be made if they could find it so yeah. we'll see
0: All right, thanks as always for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.